Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the two-hour All-Star Break special of the official podcast of Redbird Rant, all things St. Louis Cardinals at Fansided. We want to say welcome to you. Thanks for joining us. What a special night we have in store. We have invited every one of our contributors, save for one, who decided he couldn't join us at the last minute. That's our good friend Trevor Hoos, who, by the way, has abandoned us. For the first place, Milwaukee Brewers and writing for them, and we all say one big gigantic boo to him and boo to the Milwaukee Brewers. We all know they won't hold the first place spot for too long, and so Trevor will be regretting the fact that he went over to that site instead of staying with us and our miserable inconsistencies. So thanks for joining us. We have with us tonight Tito Rivera, co-editor at Redbird Rants. Tito, how are you tonight? I'm doing great. It was a great all-star break. I'm looking forward to the second half beginning, and I'm definitely looking forward to the show. We've done a lot of good work over the last week. We really have, and this is going to be an exciting uh, night, you know, with uh, only one show this week, make it a special two-hour, a Yowza edition um, with everybody contributing, and that's just going to be a, a really, really fun. And uh, we also have joining us Josh McDonald. Josh, how are you tonight? I'm better than Tito, but that's not really unusual. <laughs> oh, that is so true. Well, it's, it's good to have you with us, as always. And uh, for the listeners, we will not be having a cage match with just Tito and um, Josh. We also have Nathan Grime with us. Nate, how are you? I'm doing pretty good, fellas. Glad we could get this show in here before the second half starts tomorrow. Yeah, me too, because, you know, I wrote a piece about how I really hate the All-Star break because it's just too many days off from baseball, too much going on that's, that's not important, and it really kind of bothers me. But I tell you what, let's, let's dive in, you guys, because we're going to be joined a little bit by Brendan Voigt, our other host for the podcast. And let's go right into our first topic because I have a feeling we may, in fact, run out of time for our listeners want to let you know that we have all worked very hard on tonight's podcast, making sure that we had a talking order so that we have it organized and people aren't talking over each other. So bear with us as we dive into this. And our first topic tonight are just takeaways from the first half of the season. I'd like to hear you guys and your opinions on what were the biggest surprises or disappointments in the first half. Give me your team MVP and the Cy Young if you had to give those awards out today for the first half. I'd also like to hear what you think about what was the best series or what was the best movement or moment that we had as St. Louis Cardinals in the first half of this season. And then lastly, talk to me about the biggest developments, the greatest narratives, the best storylines, in your opinion, from the first half of the season. We certainly do have an order, 
The riders know what that order is. We're going to sort of leave it to them to jump in at the right time. Brendan and I will step in from time to time just to keep things moving. But let's kick off this first topic. Oh, and one more thing before we dive in. We are going to allow each rider a 30-second rebuttal time at the end of every topic. So bear with us. Riders, you know to take some notes as we're going through this so that you're ready to argue with one of your fellow riders. And uh, we know that means that Tito and Josh are going to argue all the time. So, Nathan, please pick one of those two to side with at some point and help level or unlevel out the whole process. Preferably And me. let's dive right in. What's that, Tito? Preferably me. Oh, yeah. Tito always me. needs people to side with him. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Tito, you're up first. Talk to us about the first half. Sure. Well, thanks, everybody, for listening. It's been quite a season so far, I'd say, for the St. Louis Cardinals. And I would have to start with the biggest disappointment, in my opinion, is just the lack of consistent baseball that the Cardinals are playing. It's really tough to be at this point in the season 5.5 games back of the Brewers, knowing that you are probably better than the Brewers and just haven't been able to put it all together. So I would say, you know, the lack of base running, the lack of defense, inconsistent hitting, it's been pretty tough on the Cardinals, and I'm sure on Cardinal fans, to really get behind this team and and, and urge them to victory on a consistent basis. I would say the biggest surprise so far this season um, is definitely Paul DeJong. He, you know, he didn't start off with the team on opening night, got called up, you know, midway through the first half of the season. I actually wrote a piece on how he needed to be called up sooner, and that didn't happen until a little bit later. But he's really surprised me. He's been able to uh, bat pretty well, play consistent defense. You know, he's a young guy, so he's still learning. So I think he's really, really stepped up his game. Team MVP for me right now, I would probably have to go with uh, Tommy Pham. I've been doing pieces on the MVPs for the months, and Tommy Pham actually hasn't been any of them. But that doesn't mean that he hasn't been the team's leader, been the team's best player, essentially. He is right now the team leader, the catalyst for this offense. He's been making some amazing plays on defense. So he he really has stepped up his game. And he was another player that wasn't on the uh, opening day roster. So it was it's really nice to see him come into his own and, and really take uh, his role seriously. I would say the team side young right now, I would probably have to go with Mike Leak just for, for what he did it to start the year. And he's been pretty consistent, and some of his losses are not his own fault. Um, Some of them are. So I think he's been the most consistent pitcher for the Cardinals, um, and he's probably been the best pitcher for the Cardinals. I would say the biggest series for the first half, in my opinion, was definitely May 12th through the 14th when the Cubs were in town. Um, and the Cardinals took on Lester and Arietta in back-to-back games, and Martinez and Wainwright got two victories to uh, take the series against the Cubs. And that really, at that point, you were thinking, hey, the Cardinals are playing some really, really great baseball. Maybe they're just about to turn the corner, and then lo and behold, they 
go on an absolute dry spell, losing the next pretty much 10 to 15 games and really taking a really, really south turn for their season. So that just leads me to the biggest development or biggest narrative or storyline right now, I think, is the trade deadline. We're all talking about it. We just saw what happened today with the Chicago Cubs and the Chicago White Sox. How can this not be the biggest narrative coming into, you know, the biggest narrative right now? We all know something is going to happen, but what? I'm not too sure yet, but that's just, that's just kind of where I am right now with the first half of the season. Um, for me, the biggest surprise is a little bit uh, piggybacking on what Tito said, but more uh, expanding to just the success by the young guys, because I want to include Luke Boyd in there. He hasn't been up long, but he's been pretty fun to watch. He came up and said, I'm here to hit doubles and home runs. Well, the guy's done that. He's been very, very solid in the time he's got at first base. Um, Unfortunately for him, that time's going to get cut down a little bit. We're going to see what this team does when it comes to the lineup going forward. My biggest disappointment is just the inability to take advantage of a weak division. I mean, we're tied for second at two games under 500 with the Cubs right now. The fact that that's where we are is good and bad for so many, so many different reasons. I mean, we're still in it for the, for the playoffs, which is great, but that, but we're in it for the playoffs and we're two games under 500. That's, it's just, it's so many, so many different emotions there that you just have to get used to. And I think Cardinal fans are, uh, learning how to slowly but surely learning how to get used to this this season because they've had so much success in the past it's really hard to just move past what we've seen and then take on what we have going on right now MVP for me did not have anybody that absolutely stuck out like this is the one this is the guy who has been by far the best player for us this year but I had to go look at the stats because I didn't want to go with just a random pick. So I wanted to go with Jerko. If you look at the stats, Jerko is nearly top three in every single batting statistic for this team. He's number one in average, RBIs, slugging, OPS, and hits. And he's one home run away from the lead in home runs. He's second in on the team in stolen bases. The guy's getting it done. He had always been known as a power hitter, but something happened this year. The guy found out how to hit for average. I hope that's something that can stick around. Uh, it remains to be seen if it will. He could just as easily fall off, but I'm hoping for the sake of this team he continues to be hot. Uh, the Cy Young, that's pretty simple, I think. The guy that represented us in the All-Star game on the mound, Carlos, for me has to be the Cy Young. Um, his win-loss doesn't really reflect uh, that for, of a Cy Young, but I think a lot of people are coming to terms with the fact that the win-loss record is kind of a uh, a useless stat. It's not his fault that he's not getting run support. Um, but, you know, once he cut off those terrible, terrible, terrible dreads, he uh, he turned back into that pitcher we all, we all knew and loved. He's 
he's a fun guy. He's something that this team needs, I think, in in the in the, the locker room and in the dugout. He brings a good vibe, which I think that a lot of people don't appreciate in Cardinal Nation, unfortunately. But there's a lot of us out there that really like what Carlos is doing, and I hope that he always has that fun-loving spirit and he continues to progress into the ace that all of us know he's going to be. Uh, the biggest development for me, I don't have a specific a specific series to look to because when you look at the stretch this team had uh, on the road when they were in Atlanta and Miami and they went ahead and went on an absolute tear, you would have to think that that was the turning point for the season, but then they went right after that and absolutely struggled. It completely, completely embarrassed themselves. So my biggest development is just going to be the success to the end of the first half there. I believe it went series win, series win, series tie, series win. That's something that this team needed to get on the right track, and it would have been nice to be sitting at 500 or above, but sitting in second place and still within shooting distance of first place isn't the worst thing in the world. Yeah, it's a little bit tough going last year since we've got so much to talk about. But um, so starting from the top, and I, I feel say, I really feel bad about that for you, Nathan, because you had to follow up the the two Tweedledee and Tweedledum and and come right behind them. <laughs> but uh, but bear, bear with it, if you will, because I think that hey, you're going to right. add some intelligence level to this podcast that those two are severely lacking. True. Hey, that's all right. Well, for me, I think the biggest – I'll start with the biggest disappointment because I think a couple of them probably come to mind. I think for me probably the biggest disappointment has been the continued struggles in the defense and base running. It sounds like we hear that day in and day out around this Cardinals team, but it's because we keep seeing those mistakes in the field. And, you know, the defense hasn't been as bad as it was last year, but as far as base running is concerned, all the metrics and all the numbers point to the Cardinals once again being in the bottom – you know, bottom of the league as far as base running, uh, as far as base running is concerned, and it's just disappointing because this was the narrative all off season that we had driven through our heads, you know, every week when we heard about, um, you know, all of the struggles last season, and now they, they were going to fix that in the off season, fix that in spring training, and just that hasn't been the case. Also, I think really the the sore point of this team, as far as um, you know, looking at one aspect, has also been the bullpen. The bullpen has struggled. Um, you know, Massini's had to mix and match roles um, all season. Uh, that hasn't helped. And the bullpen has blown a handful of games. Just think about where the Cardinals could be, you know, if if they had a lockdown bullpen um, at the end of games. I think they'd be in first place. Uh, of course, you can't expect them to be perfect, but that is something that has been sorely lacking for the Cardinals this season. As far as biggest surprise, I think uh, Cedar and Josh kind of hit it on the button. The young guys have really been – uh, given the Cardinals a jolt, especially, you know, headed into this all-star break, Luke Foyt and Paul DeYoung, who, who would have thought they would be lineup fixtures in the month of July and carrying this offense at times in the last uh, recent stretch of, of good baseball that the Cardinals have played. So that's been a good surprise. Tommy Pham, of course, how can you um, how can you overlook what he's done? Didn't even start the regular season uh, with the Cardinals, got called in May, and, you know, he's all he's done has been in the lineup, been in the middle of that lineup two or three and all he's done is sit and played excellent defense in the outfield as well. Um, you know, team MVP, Fam and Jerker are guys to look to, but, 
you know, if you want to look at statistics and if you want to look at performance, I'm going to give you an outsider candidate, Matt Carpenter. You know, he leads the team in home runs, tied for, you know, tied for the lead in home runs with Dexter Fowler. Um, second in RBI is only three behind Jed Jerko. He's tops in on-base percentage, um, leads the team in doubles, and he's, you know, he, there, he had that transition from the three-hole to the leadoff spot, and a lot was made of that and whether he can or can't hit there. The batting average is still, you know, down around 240, so that's disappointing to see. But he's getting on base. That's what you've got to do as a leadoff hitter. Leads the team in runs scored. That's, you know, that's what you would expect from your leadoff hitter as well. And he is getting extra base hits as well. You know, it's not like he's just a single hitter. You know, when he is getting those base hits, they're going for extra bases, and he's still driving in runs. So Carpenter is held to a very high standard in St. Louis. You know, he was supposed to be the guy that the offense is built around coming into the season. But, you know, that wasn't really the case as he moved to leadoff. But um, that transition, I think, has worked well, and Matt Carpenter has quietly had a pretty good first half for the Cardinals. Um, Cy Young, I won't spend too much time on that one. I would have to agree with Josh. It's got to be Carlos Martinez. Uh, Mike Leake's done a nice job. Um, statistically, he's there um, with Martinez, but, I mean, if you just watch the two guys pitch, Martinez just has the dominance. Um, you know, he, he has some stuff, and I think he'll actually pitch much better in the second half, even better than he did in the first half. That all-star game appearance that he had with four strikeouts in the two innings, he looked filthy against some of the best hitters in the American League. Um, So that that was good to see as a Cardinals fan. Um, As far as the biggest moments of the first half are concerned, I think that six-game road sweep in Atlanta and Miami um, was big for the Cardinals. That led into the series against Chicago. Those were uh, series that were both mentioned. Uh, That series was sparked by Tommy Pham and Magnera Sierra, and I think that is something you've got to look to as, you know, why did the Cardinals not keep that winning going? Magnar Sierra was sent down after that. You just wonder what the Cardinals, you know, could have done in the first half if Sierra was on this team the entire time. And then for me, the biggest uh, narrative storyline of the first half of the season, I think it's been all the lineup shuffling. You know, at the beginning of the year, we expected it to be Fowler, Diaz, Carpenter, one, two, three. Diaz has, you know, fallen off the radar. He's in the minor leagues now. That's been a disappointment. Uh, we expected Randall Grichik to to start, you know, in left field and be in the middle of his lineup. He was in the minor leagues for a while, and um, you know, playing time for him is is uncertain moving forward as well. So, the the rotation of the starting lineup and how Matheny is going to mix and match his offensive pieces, I think, has been the biggest storyline to watch in the first half of the season. All right. Uh, you guys just put out some incredible material there, and I'm really glad of that and for that, and I hope that our listeners are, are as well. So I hope you took some notes, because now each one of you will have 30 seconds to go into rebuttal mode and argue with one of the other writers. I know that means that Tito is often going to target Josh, and Josh is going to target Tito. So, but... That being said, let's dive into that and go in the same order. So we're going to go Tito, you got 30 seconds, then we're going to go Josh for 30 seconds, and then out to you, Nate, for 30 seconds. So, Tito, your 30 seconds starts right now. Sure. So first thing I want to touch on is yeah, while Carlos Martinez is the ace of the staff, I just don't see how he can be the team Cy Young. I actually am looking at the numbers. Mike Leake has pretty much the same record has a better ERA, has given up less runs than Carlos Martinez, has given up less walks than Carlos Martinez, obviously doesn't have as many strikeouts. 
So to me, that's uh, that's pretty good. I mean, I, I don't see. I mean, I understand why Carlos Martinez would be your Cy Young. Don't get me wrong. But to me, Mike Leake okay, is well, your the best pitcher for the Okay, well, your 30 seconds are up. Hey, your 30 seconds are up. I'm dinging the bell. I'm playing the music. Your 30 seconds are up. I'm not not letting you have more than – I'm not letting you have more than 30 (laughs) seconds, sir. All right, next up, Josh, your 30 seconds start now. I'm going to shock the world, and I'm coming at Nathan. Um, Your MVP choice, I think – I can't can't get behind it. I love Matt Carpenter. I do. But the guy floundered at – in the three hole until he got, I don't want to say his way. It sounds bad, but he got to go bat lead off again. And then he started hitting that. It shouldn't bother me as much as it does, but it really does. Unfortunately, um, I really expect more out of this guy. I don't, I'm not a professional uh, baseball player, so I can't understand the difference between hitting one and three, but I think his ability to hit, and then not showing up at the three really cost us quite a bit to start the year. So I can't, I can't support him as my MVP. Um, Under the hey, 30 Josh, seconds. I gave you an ex- yeah, I gave you an extra 10 seconds because you're friends with Tito. Uh, so I figured you needed to be handicapped. Damn. Cheating. So, <laughs> <laughs> because by all means, I mean, this is the Yowza edition. So let's turn now to Nathan. Nathan, you've got 30 seconds and your 30 seconds starts now. Well, I'll I'll spend my 30 seconds defending my uh, Cy Young and my MVP choice, I suppose. So going back on Tito's comment about Mike Lee, yes, he's given up less runs, but he's pitched less innings. Yes, you know, he's had less strikeouts. Uh, he's also pitched less innings. Um, Leak has given up more hits than Carlos Martinez. Uh, you know, Leak's batting average against is 251. I think that's a big indicator of how, uh, how other teams are hitting him. Carlos Martinez allows a 213 batting average, and Martinez, without the notoriety of a veteran, got the all-star nod above Mike Leak. So I think that just points to Carlos Martinez being the staff ace and actually pitching well, better than Mike Leak. Yes, Leak's had a good half. And then Carpenter, you know, you have to ask the question, where would you be without Carpenter in the lineup? Yes, you can ask that about Jericho. Yes, you can ask that about Pham. But without Carpenter at the top, Jericho and Pham aren't going to have those run-producing opportunities. All right, Nathan, I gave you an extra 15 seconds just for having to bear with, with Tito <laughs> and Josh on the same same call. I you guys, that was a really great first. <laughs> yeah, that was a really, really great first topic. Uh, to our listeners, thanks again for joining us for this two-hour special, our All-Star Break special. By the way, we just want to really plug one of the things that we've done in a, in a really great way on Redbird Rants, and that is our Summit article piece that we put together all together, all the writers contributing, that Josh did a fantastic job collecting all the responses. We want to plug that, let everybody know to go to Redbird Rants and check that out. It's a really great piece where we tackled uh, – how many questions was it, Josh? Seven, eight? I'm not – I think it was eight. So eight and questions there some, that – Yeah. There was, was some eight. shocking, shockingly good uh, – information in there from each writer, even Tito. <laughs> yeah, Tito had tossed out some shade in some of those uh, answers as well, which is, hey, very much welcomed at Redbird Rants. Let's do this, fellas. Let's take a little break, and when we come back, Brendan's going to grab on and, and take over for our second topic, so stick with us. You are listening to the special, two-hour special of the official podcast of Redbird Rants, Fan site, it's all things St. Louis Cardinals blog, 
here on Blog Talk Radio. Thanks for joining us, and stick with us. We'll be back after the break. And we're back. It is the special two-hour edition, the Yowza edition of the Redbird Rants podcast, the official podcast for RedbirdRants.com. Fan side is blog dedicated to those St. Louis Cardinals. Your boy, Brandon Vogt, is back. I'm in the host seat for this segment. And, you know, I'm, I'm still with Tito, Josh, and Nate. No Trevor, huh? I guess he hopped on a Brewers podcast or something. Yeah. They're in first place now, so one good half of baseball and we lose him. Uh, but let's look ahead to the second half now, gentlemen. Uh, doesn't look like the Cardinals now have a lot of pressure on them maybe to make a move, whether internally or externally, after the Cubs went ahead and added Quintana. Let's start with internal options. And, Josh, we'll start with you. Are there any in-house roster moves and or promotions uh, that you think are upcoming here in the second half of the season? Well, to start, it looks like the Cardinals did make a move. Uh, I know Tito mentioned it previously. Um, It looks like Colton Wong will be back with the team when we come out of the break. And Kevin Segrist will also be back with the team. Uh, Luke Weaver and Alex Mejia getting sent down. I don't, I don't like that too much, unfortunately. I like Wong getting coming back. That's great. I don't think Segrist should be back so soon. I think he has some things to work on. Unfortunately, the way the roster is set up right now, it just doesn't make a lot of sense for too many in-house roster moves to be made because who are you going to send down? And who – who really is the guy that's going to come in and say, okay, you're, you're going to get reps over any of the people we have going right now. The only person I could see potentially getting called up and that's going to require either an injury or somebody really struggling in the outfield outside of Grichuk. Um, so it would require fam to fam or Piscotti to really hit the brakes. Um, Harrison Bader, the guy doesn't have anything else to prove in AAA. He he needs to get an opportunity or he needs to be moved. We'll see what happens, but if someone's going to get a chance, I really think that he's the one that should should get the opportunity. I think Josh is on the money as far as, you know, there's no, you know, clear, obvious internal moves that you're going to make because – you know, the, the major league roster, while it, you know, while it is a second place, you no know, sub 500 roster at this point, you know, you're still in the middle of the division race because of the struggles of the national league central. So you don't have that certainty with some of the triple a guys that if you're going to plug them in, you think you can sustain some winning or something like that. Cause you have a major league roster that has underperformed and there's, there's no clear, clear, better replacements right now necessarily at the AAA level. Harrison Bader is a name to watch. I think we'll see him uh, before too long uh, in St. Louis sometime in the second half. I think Carson Kelly is also a name to watch. Um, You know, Yadier Molina is obviously still at an all-star caliber level, as we just saw, you know, getting the all-star nod and playing well in the all-star game, of course, helped his pedigree. But Carson Kelly's had a very good year offensively in Memphis. He's a top-catching prospect. Um, you know, I, I wonder if the Cardinals could get creative with playing time if Carson Kelly and Yadier Molina were both on the Major League roster. Um, I saw John Mozeliak make some comments about a week ago saying that, you know, if Kelly gets called up, he's going to get some playing time. You know, he's not just going to sit on the bench, you know, Eric Fryer style and, you know, get a start every every couple of weeks. So I think that's another development uh, we could 
potentially be seeing before long here in the second half. Yeah, you guys are right on the money with this. I mean, there is not really an in-house move that I can foresee, you know, within the next month. If anything, you know, Harrison Bader probably is the most likely to come up the soonest. And I'm sorry, Josh, but you're wrong about Richick not being on the list for players to go down. He's on that list. And if he continues to struggle when he gets an opportunity, there's no use of having him on the team. He might as well be sent down and, and give Bader a shot. Nathan, you're also correct with Carson Kelly. I mean, really, Kelly should probably be up on the team already. I would much rather have Carson Kelly than Eric Fryer on the team. I understand why he's still in Memphis, getting at bats and whatnot. But at this point, it's it's almost becoming a redundancy to have Eric Fryer on the team. So these moves, you know, it's going to be kind of tough to really – to judge when they're going to happen. Obviously, when expanded rosters happen, you'll probably see that. But I'm I'm a little concerned, as Josh, you know, was saying, that what are you going to do with the pieces that you have now? You need them because you're going through this division battle. There's not really a clear-cut move that the Cardinals can make. So maybe no moves coming internally in terms of the roster. What about the coaching staff? We know after a disappointing start to the season, some changes were made. Third base coach Chris Maloney was reassigned. I think that was a little over a month ago. Are there any more coaches, coaching changes you guys foresee happening in the second half? Uh, is anyone on the hot seat here? Um, I think everyone has to think that they're still on the hot seat. This team is still underperforming. You can't think that two games under 500 is okay and everyone is safe. But I'm not sure that this team, even if they struggle like they did a few weeks ago, I don't think that the front office is in the business of making drastic moves to management during the season. Um, The only one that I could see, and it's tough because – He's Mike Matheny's boy and seems to be bulletproof in this in this town anymore. Is John Mabry could be on his way out. It would shock me that if they would actually do that, but they've shocked me a couple times this year in some moves they've made. So it's a complete possibility. I think that if this team misses the playoffs again this year, I think that you're looking at a real possibility that there's some real shakeups to this team. Because if there's not, I think that's just the front office saying that they're fine with where they're at. It's it's more that they don't want to make a move to me that shows something to fans, and I think fans will react that react poorly to that. Fans are have been calling for Mike Matheny for how long? If they miss playoffs two years in a row, and front office doesn't even do a thing about it, you're going to see a lot a lot of angry people. I think the weaknesses in the division perhaps make the situation look better and safer than it is or than it should be. Um, we've heard comments from Bill DeWitt, Bill DeWitt Jr. and John Mose like that. They are disappointed with how, how, the, how the year has gone so far. Despite being still in the mix of the division, they do recognize 
that this is not what they expected and that they're looking for something to improve. And that's going to be something that they will doubtless keep their eye on for the rest of the season. Um, you know, I never really saw it as a realistic possibility that Mike Massini would be fired anytime soon um, before the season started, even during the season. I think, you know, hovering around 500 does just enough to keep his head above water as far as being, you know, on a legitimate hot seat. I'm sure he's, you know, I think he's on notice. I think that's a good, a good, a good kind of way to put it because because of the reassignment of Chris Maloney, I think the whole coaching staff is on notice, as John Mozeliak acknowledged in that press conference about a month ago. But I don't see any, you know, firings happening unless the Cardinals just tank and, you know, end up towards the bottom of the division and, you know, far out of the playoff race by September. But as long as they stay in the mix and they stay competitive this season, you know, regardless of the record, if that division stays weak, stays competitive and vulnerable, I just don't see anything happening this season. Yeah, I agree. It's it's tough to shake things up when you're still competitive as a team, even if that is a relative term to the division you're in. Looking ahead to this second half, guys, uh, are there any series you've got circled on this calendar? I know it's a long second half to the baseball season, but are any catching your eye as particularly important? Well, yeah, sure. I, I think right off the right off the bat, you know, the first two series are going to be very important, include, and then actually extending into the third series, um, you've got Pittsburgh, New York, and Chicago, and I think it's going to be a really important for the Cardinals to continue the momentum that they've uh, what that they had at the end of the first half and carry that over into the beginning of the second half. What I'm really keying on then after that is every single Milwaukee Brewers series. They're the team to beat right now. They need The Cardinals need to go into Milwaukee, make sure that they take care of business there, which historically they've, they've pretty, pretty much done. Um, but any time that you're facing Milwaukee, it's a, it's a big series in my opinion. You know, they don't see the Cubs after July 22nd through the 20, uh, 21st to the 23rd. They don't see the Cubs until pretty much September. So your focus is on the Milwaukee Brewers and taking care of business there. Other than that, you know, they have a two-game series against Boston and a four-game set against Kansas City that, you know, I'll be at. Those those two series are against good teams, playoff teams or playoff hunting teams. So that's what I'm looking forward to in the in the second half schedule. Josh, what about you, dude? Um, you know, outside of the games against division teams, there's not a ton that really stick out to me. I, every every series is going to be important going forward for this team because they're in a position where they can't afford to lose like they were early on. Um, it's I think following the Brewers is a very very good idea. Um, there was a there's an interesting stat that I actually saw on uh, Twitter from Joe Roderick. Uh, the Cardinals have 21 series in the second half of three or more games. Of those 21. 16 are against teams who will enter the second half under 500. That is incredible. You have got to take advantage of that. And when you look at the schedule right away, you see that you face the Rockies and the Diamondbacks right at the end of this month. If you can take advantage of teams that are over 500 and beat the bad teams, you're going to set yourself up 
to make the playoffs fairly easily. Given the nature of the National League playoff race and the Cardinals' place in it, the series against the Cubs and Brewers will be the biggest as far as the Cardinals' chances at making the playoffs because the path to the postseason um, you know, for St. Louis is going to be to win the National League Central. Uh, they're just too far out of the wild card. The National League West is too good with the Dodgers, the Rockies, and the D-backs for, for really any team in the National League foreseeably right now to make a play for that wild card outside of Colorado and Arizona. Um, that being said, the big homestand I have circled on the calendar for the second half is that seven-game homestand that Josh just mentioned. They've got a three-game series against the Rockies and then a four-game series against the Diamondbacks. Those are two really good teams out in the National League West. They're home games for the Cardinals. Cardinals have not played as well as at home this year and last season as we're accustomed to them playing. They have got to start taking advantage of those home games, especially because, you know, the schedule in the second half, as Josh mentioned, is favorable to the Cardinals. And these are two good teams, and you've got them at home. They've got to win those games against the Rockies and the Diamondbacks, and then, of course, take care of the bad teams, like Josh said. Another interesting uh, caveat of that homestand is it falls right before the trading deadline. Um, you know, we're going to be talking on this podcast, and it seems like all of Cardinal Nation's talking about right now are the Cardinals going to be fired or sellers of the deadline. That seven-game homestead really could answer that question, are the Cardinals going to buy or sell come July 31st? You know, and I, I want to just quickly say, I did see a stat that the Brewers actually have the third easiest second-half schedule. So take that with a grain of salt with what you think the Cardinal schedule is. And, you know, I, I, I'm looking forward. That's why, that's why I think it's important, you know, with those Milwaukee series. I think those are the, the series to key in on. Okay, so those are the series that we should have our eyes on in the second half. What about Cardinals players? Josh, we'll start with you. Are there any guys you think are due for either a big half or a big drop-off one way or the other? This question should be easy, but the way the Cardinals have things set up right now, it really can't be considered too easy because Colton Wong is on his way back. So Colton Wong gets inserted into second base because when he is playing, he has been extremely successful and this team has been winning. So that means Carpenter has to slide back to first. So Luke Voigt is then out of the lineup unless he gets some certain days in and you have to hope that Paul DeYoung keeps playing a shortstop. So, and then you have Tommy Pham, Randall Gritchick, uh, Piscotti, Fowler, all those guys have to have four people for three spots. So there's a lot of question on who's actually going to be playing. But if the at-bats still come for these guys, I think that someone to watch for, I think if Colton Wong stays healthy, he's a guy to watch. He seemed to be showing confidence at the plate. He seemed to be improving. He was batting over 300 when he was here. Unfortunately, this is his second injury, uh, and this last one was a little bit more extensive. He was away for a little while longer. But if he can be healthy and man second base consistently, I think you're going to see him have a very solid second half. I don't know if the power will be there, but if the guy can get on base, we're we're in a good position. But – and I talked about him as our first-half MVP. I just can't see Jed Jerko hitting over 300 for the entire season. He's a career you take like that two, back. I just don't – he's a career under 250 hitter. The power's there for the guy, but if he hits over 300, 
good on him. Congratulations. I'm a moron. I just cannot see it happening. For me, a big guy to watch in the second half is Michael Lockett. You know, he's kind of the de facto number five starter. He's the guy that you see at the end of the rotation. About a month ago, we were ready to replace him in the rotation. We were talking about, okay, calling up a Luke Weaver or Marco Gonzalez or, you know, one of the other young starting pitchers that the Cardinals had in stage down in the farm system. But he's turned it around in, in the last three, four starts. And, you know, he has solidified that rotation spot to end the first half. But I don't think his leash is all that long. You know, still, if he struggles with fatigue, if he struggles with command in the second half, I think we're going to start that conversation again. You know, will Michael Waka be replaced? And another, um, you know, another thing to think about as far as the rotation is concerned, if you're talking about replacing Michael Waka, Lance Lynn is, is potentially a trade piece. He's potentially on his way out. The Cardinals might not trade him, but if they do, and Michael Walker struggles, then you've got two-fifths of your rotation that's all of a sudden, you know, up in the air, you're questioning what to do about their rotation. So that is something that I'll be looking at in the second half. Tito, any players you got your eyes on? Yeah, absolutely. I think the player to watch at this point for the Cardinals is Matt Carpenter. And I say that because he moved back to the leadoff spot, started hitting better, but he still isn't hitting for that consistent average that we know him to be hitting for. And I love the power, but I need him to hit for average a little bit more. And to me, the offense goes through him just like Nathan was saying earlier. If he can start to develop, to get on base a lot more, to get consistent average, it's going to be, it's going to be great. Yes, I know he walks a lot, but I'm looking for, for doubles. I'm looking for, you know, from gap to gap, down the lines. So he's, he's to me, the player to watch going into the second half of the season. And, and another player that you would, you would like to see is maybe Dexter Fowler, to see how his injury heals up and see if he does any better with his heel. But if there was a player to watch for a regression, I think Josh is correct that Jerko is probably the guy for regression. As he mentioned, you know, he's under 250. He's actually a career 243 hitter. So that's not that good considering where he is right now. But if there's anybody that's going to be regressing, it's him. So I, it's it's tough it's tough to to really know what to watch for when the Cardinals have played so inconsistently, and maybe Luke Voigt is another person to 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 throw in for players to watch in the second half with how well he's done. Maybe he gets more chances and more opportunities to start for the Cardinals. All right, there you have it. Your answers are in. Let's get those pencils down. I'm putting 30 seconds on the clock. And, Josh, any strong objections that you have, let's hear them. You know, I want to come out here swinging, but I think I agree with a lot of the things that have been said. Um, This team has a lot of questions coming forward, uh, but I think that both of these guys made good points, and I don't like admitting that. That feels dirty to me. And I'm really going to have to just find a lot of things to nitpick going forward. (laughs) Fair enough. 
interesting use of your 30 seconds there. Nathan, do you have anything negative to say about Beavis and Butthead? You know, not necessarily. I think I'm just going to take the time to add one more name to watch that I was thinking of. Paul DeYoung, I think the shortstop position it will be interesting to see how that plays out. Will Aledness Diaz come back? You know, how, how, how well will Paul DeYoung play given the regular time moving forward? Shortstop's a position to watch for me. Tito, I'm going to give you some extra time on the clock here because I skipped you earlier. Uh, that wasn't on oh, purpose, although I know that I know hating on Tito is kind of a theme here. That was an accident. You get 60 seconds. Any objections that you have, let's hear them. Boo. <laughs> um, I would say, I, I, honestly, I don't have really any objections either. I would, I would say that, you know, I'll use the rest of the time to talk about the, the hot seat for the coaches. Mabry has to be on that list. There's no way he's not. And I'm sure he still is right now. Mike Matheny is also a name on this list that needs to really have a reality check. He's got to get it together. He's got to get these two, he's got to get this team moving in the right direction soon, or else you will be seeing a new coach for the St. Louis Cardinals come next season. All right. Well, it's time for another break. So stick around and don't go anywhere because when you come back, I'm going to hand this thing back over to the exalted Dr. Miles, and we're going to talk a little bit about the trade deadline and the rest of the month. So don't go anywhere. You are listening to the Yowza edition of the official Redbird Rants podcast. Hey, thanks for sticking with us. Man, that was great. I love this, you guys. I love having two hours. I love having two hosts. I love all this input. This is a lot of fun. I hope you listeners are really enjoying it as well. Welcome back to the Yowza edition, the two-hour-long special, all-star break special of the official Redbird Rants podcast here on Blog Talk Radio. If you didn't know, just as a quick plug, we at Redbird Rants have got an amazing, amazing articles that go up every single day. You need to follow us on Twitter at FS Redbird Rants. Follow each of the writers individually. These are some great guys, really funny guys, a lot of fun that we have while watching the games, a lot of times that we really give each other a hard time. So, you know, stick with us, follow those things, check out our articles at Redbird Rants, and then also tune in every Monday and every Thursday during the regular season as we host a one-hour podcast on those days that are hosted by myself and by Brendan, who you're getting to hear us uh, sharing the hosting duties tonight. And we host with a slate of two other writers from Redbird Rants and go head-to-head as we discuss the topics of the week. Really wonderful stuff, so, so tune in for that. So, hey, guys, what we are up to now in our topic list is the trade deadline at the end of July. That's coming pretty quickly. And what I want to do, you know, we've got a couple questions that we had built together as writers. But instead of asking those questions, I just want to open the, the discussion table to the topic of the trade deadline. Really want you guys to just take it wherever your gut's telling you. And, you know, what should the Cardinals do? So fill us in. Let's start out with you, Nathan, and then we're going to move through the list. So, Nathan, kick us off. Trade deadline coming up in the end of the month. How are we? Well, the looming question is, will the Cardinals be buyers or sellers? And that's the question we've asked for weeks now. I'm not even sure that's the question that we're even going to get answered because this team has been inconsistent. We haven't had answers so far as to where this team's going to go. I'm just hesitant to go and get big major league pieces 
sell prospects because I'm just not sure if a piece or two would put this team into title contention. Yes, it would help the Cardinals in the National League Central Division, but the Brewers and the Cubs, as we saw today, both of them made moves for pitching. They are going to be improving around this trade deadline as well. You know, they're not they're not just going to stand pat and the and the Cardinals and watch the Cardinals, you know, pass them up. Every, all these teams are going to be looking to improve one way or another. For the Cardinals, I'm not sure that's going to be, you know, selling some minor league pieces for a big guy like Josh Donaldson, a big bat like Giancarlo Stanton or, or a big pitcher or whatnot. I just don't really see it happening because the question has to be, you know, yes, it'll help you get to the playoffs, but the Cardinals have been to the playoffs, you know, 2012 through 2015 and not won a World Series. And I think they – you know, when you're the St. Louis Cardinals, you're expecting to be in contention for the World Series. You know, at the end, at the end of at the end of October, and I just don't know if this is a team that they can build around to win a World Series. That being said, what they can do around the trade deadline is they cannot shake things up too much and still get some value in return as far as guys like Lance Flynn or Sungwon Oh, who are free agents at the end of the year. That um, you know. You, you would like to see back with the Cardinals. They would certainly be welcome as far as, you know, roles on this team. Lance Lynn would still have a spot in the rotation. Sanguano would still have a spot at the back end of the bullpen. But if you can get young talent in return, you know, you can never have too much young talent at the minor league level. And the Cardinals are building that farm system back up after we had a lot of graduates, you know, around 2013 and 2014. The Cardinals were the top farm system those years, and then it has slipped in years past just because of the guys moving through the system and into the major leagues. If the Cardinals can rebuild that farm system, um, develop draft picks, but also trade for some young talent, you know, if possible, I think they're setting themselves up for good shape in years to come. And that's not, that's not rebuilding. Rebuilding would be selling your every single valuable piece on a major league team. The Cardinals are not going to sell, you know, Matt Carpenter, Jed Jerk, Osami Pham. They're not going to sell all those guys. We might see a trade, you know, for a couple of those guys, but, this is not a team that's been rebuilding. It's going to be a reload, and I just, I just don't see the Cardinals um, making an all-in run, sacrificing, you know, the the future of the farm system for this season. Yeah, you know, I wow, mean, uh, Nathan, really raising the intelligence level there. Um, really good stuff, Nate. Thanks so much. Hey, Tito, you're up. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, so. You know, obviously the question is buy or sell. There's nothing more, probably more important. I, as I said, as well, you know, my biggest narrative coming into, you know, the end of the first half for me was was the trade deadline. And so here we are. And, you know, evidence of today, look at what the Chicago Cubs did. Look at what the, the Milwaukee Brewers did. They're in it to win it. There is no, There is no denying that. When you make a move for a pitcher like Quintana and you try and shore up your bullpen like the Brewers did, you're you're going in to win this and they're expecting to to make the postseason. And the question that I actually think is more important than whether the buy or sell is when. When is it gonna happen? Is it now? Is it a week from now? Or is it going to be at the end of this deadline? I wrote a piece earlier today uh, on some comments that Derek Gould made from the St. Louis Post-Dispatch saying that if the Cardinals are going to go for a big bat, they might wait till the end of the deadline 
Well, what purpose does that serve at this point? Why? You know, you see the other teams getting better. Are you going to wait until you're already 10 games back at that point? What is, what is the purpose of waiting so long when you know what you have to do? There, there is no other choice in my opinion. And, and I wrote a kind of a follow-up article to that with, you know, saying that it was your move for Mosellock and Gersh. Epstein's put you to the test now. What else, what else are you waiting for? I, that's what frustrates me the most about this trade deadline is that Mosellock and Gersh are sitting on something, and they're just not pulling the trigger. Maybe it's they want to build the suspense, and maybe they want to figure it out and make sure they have the best deal possible. But, man, they've got to respond to this move. They have to. They have to. You cannot lay over on this because I'm telling you the kickback from this, if they don't do anything, is going to be unbelievable. It's probably going to be unbearable. I probably would not be on Twitter for a little while if the Cardinals don't make a move at the trade deadline. In my opinion, they should be buying. We all know that they're looking for a big bat. Then go do it. You know, Josh, you know, reported a little earlier that the Marlins don't consider, you know, or essentially don't consider Giancarlo not, you know, untouchable. So if he's untouchable, then, or not untouchable, then let's go. Make it happen. I, I, I just, it just frustrates me that the, the front office is unwilling to make a move at this point to, to respond to this. Because if they don't, it's essentially saying, ah, eh, we're good, we're fine, no big deal, and we're not going to do anything. You know, I, yeah. that, that's, those are some really great points, and I think that also feeds into, and I just want to add this in there, and you guys can pencil this in for your rebuttal time. But I want to remind you of what Mosaic said about the four to six week window. Just want to toss that out there. And now let's go and have Josh, the floor is yours. Talk to us about the trade deadline. I mean, Yowza, Tito just going in on uh, on the front office. Uh, when that news broke today uh, about the Cubs going after Quintana and locking him down, I, I really thought that that was the type of thing that would – that would light a fire under under the front office. Unfortunately, I'm kind of getting myself prepared for this team to not do anything. Um, I want them to be buyers. I think that they are – I think they are a couple pieces away from being that team that everyone thought they could be. If, the, if this team goes out and gets a three-hitter and a solid bullpen piece, I think – surrounding that with the team you already have, you're in a good position. Because if Michael Waka can't cut it as a starter for this team, then you move him to the bullpen, you have Jack Flaherty, you have Luke Weaver. Either one of those two I would be happy to see in the rotation. This team needs to be proactive at what's going on right now. You are still in it, and you need to go out and make a move. I don't know what that move is. There's been connection to a lot of different people. Uh, John Carlos Stanton, J.D. Martinez. Apparently the Marlins are saying that Marcelo Zuna and Christian Yelich are untouchable, which I understand a little bit, but 
at the same time, it's the Marlins, so you never know what to believe there. Um, I really just think it's time for this team to go out, make a move, show the fans that they are ready to be successful in this division again, and just go out and fight. It, 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 we have the weapons. If you just add a couple more pieces, I think this team could be extremely successful. If I may, just real quick, just for your off courts here, before the rebuttal, and this is kind of a rebuttal, but I think the question has to be asked, if you're going to buy, how how serious of a title contender could the Cardinals be, you know, if you add pieces? Because I think that has to be a question that you cannot ignore. Yes, you want to improve. Yes, you want to make the playoffs. Yes, you want to be more than five and a half games out. Yes, you want to be above 500. These are all things that the Cardinals are not right now. You have to look at the end game. You have to look at where the Cardinals are going to end up if they buy. Because I have seen the Cardinals fans for the last three, four, five years at the end of the season when they get bounced from the playoffs say, you know, if, you know, if, only, the, if only the front office would have done something to actually make this a title contender and not just a playoff team. They got Brandon Moss in 2015. That helped them win 100 games. That helped them make it to the National League Division Series. But they got bounced by the Cubs. You know, in 2014, you know, they made moves. In 2013, they got, you know, they made moves. In 2012, they got Eddie Mavica. I'm kind of blanking on the 2013 and 2014 moves. That, you know, gave them enough to win divisions. That gave them enough to make it to the National League Division Series, the Championship Series. But it didn't put them over the hump. So, you know, yes, I understand the itch to buy at this point. But you have to look at where the Cardinals are now and, you know, where they can get in only, you know, three months, two and a half months, really, with some pieces they would add. So that has to be a question that has to be addressed. Okay, so but before we get to the rebuttal time then, Nathan, can you answer those questions? Uh, what does your gut tell you about that? Uh, in other words, whose right. fault so, was it? If the front office went out and got the big gun and we weren't able to close the deal past the divisional series, I mean, how do you answer those? And then, then let's go around the horn and let everybody give their two cents on that. How, what, are, what are your answers right. to it? So start us off, Nate. I mean, that, that's a completely fair question. I think at the beginning of the year, you have to honestly ask yourself, did you expect the Cardinals to be in this situation? come the all-star break. I think we all expected the Cardinals to be doing better. So in the off-season, yes, you know, if you would have added Giancarlo Stanton or Josh Donaldson, you know, then the Cardinals would be in a better situation. But heading into the regular season this year, I think we all expected the Cardinals to be doing better. And at this point, with only two and a half months left, how much time is that if you added a piece to put yourself from a sub-500 team to a title contender? I just don't know if there's you know, enough time remaining for, for, for that type of transformation for the season. And then I understand the impulse to buy, as I said, but the front office, while it's easy to load on them for never really pulling the trigger for making a big move, they are building up that part system, and they do have to look past, you know, 2017. They want to succeed in 2017, obviously, but if that's not a pattern that they see coming, they've got to look ahead and not, you know, not mortgage the present or excuse me, not mortgage the future for the sake of for the sake of the present, especially if the present situation isn't being a title contender. Okay, Tito, can you answer those questions? Bueller. Did we lose Tito? This is a blessing, you guys. This really is. <laughs> no, I'm here. I'm under I'm actually under a I think a tornado watch right now. It's pretty it's pretty intense outside. So, uh, 
But, you know, honestly, if the Cardinals if the Cardinals are not going to buy and they're going to stay pat, and it, it just follows a succession of of a typical Mo move. Judge out, judge the trade market for what it is, and if nothing happens, nothing happens, and he would be okay with it. And, and frankly, you know, it's to Nathan's point, you know, with you know with Cardinal fans saying, oh well, if they would have done this or if they would have done that, that's still going to happen. It's going to happen no matter what. I, I I just think this is the time to to really. Put your money where your mouth is and say, hey, we don't have anybody that is a star caliber player in our system, in our entire organization. We have to go outside and get this person. You got to do it. You know, you have to take a risk. It's a risk that's, that has to be done, has to be done. It might suck for a little bit because we're depleting some, you know, some good prospects, and I, and I hate to lose prospects. But then it has to be – you have to make that determination. It, it, you know, in my article, one of the articles, I say this is a career beginning, almost career-defining moment for Mike Gersh and poor, poor guy. He just started, but it really is. It's, it's one of those trade deadlines where you will look back in a couple of years and say, man, I really wish we would have went after John Carlos Stanton because – in a couple of years, he's no longer really in his primes. He's on the tail end of that, and you have to go out and get what you can. And even if you don't, let's say you don't win the playoffs. Let's say you don't really make it past the divisional series. You still are set up for the next couple of years with John Carlos Stanton and the guys that you have there. A lot of those guys are already under contract. So, yes, it's it, it's not the end of the world if the Cardinals – get to the playoffs and lose. But they're setting themselves up for success now, and that is way more important than not doing anything at all. Fair point. Fair point. Josh, your turn. Can you answer this question? You know, I want to put out uh, what I find to be an interesting fact. I, the Baseball America's Top 100 Prospects was recently re-released uh, with a mid-season update. And if, if you go through the top prospect list and you see each team, how many players they have, you know, you'll know you'll notice that the Cardinals were not on the top 100 list fairly recently, but they've built it uh, back up quite a bit to where they have some guys on on this list. And they're getting better and better. There are two teams in baseball that do not have a top 100 prospect. And those two teams are the last two World Series champions because they have brought guys up from the from the minors to be successful, and they've also traded guys. You saw what the Cubs did last year in, trying, in going out and getting a Raldis. They made moves because they had the, the guys down in the minors that they could trade and get better pieces for the major league team. Unfortunately, I don't know that this team has the spine to trade away top prospects like that because we latch on to them so much. I think that this team has some very good options that they could trade right now, 
And if you want to be successful, you need to be able to be willing to make those moves. I know the Cardinal way is to build within. You look at the team and you see all these guys that the Cardinals have brought in uh, from the minors that they've made themselves. But this team is missing something. And it's very clearly a star that can go right in and bat third. This team doesn't have a third hitter in in St. Louis, in Memphis, in Springfield. There is not one anywhere in the organization that I would trust to be a three-hitter. Go out and get a three-hitter and see what this this team can do. I don't think you commit to a guy like J.D. Martinez, who would be a rental only for this year. You need to go get somebody like a Josh Donaldson or John Carlos Stanton that is under control for a little while. So it's not like you're trading away these prospects for a rental guy who you might not re-sign. You're trading these guys away for someone who you know you have on this team going forward that can potentially make you a playoff team. Okay, so we have reached rebuttal time. And what a a great topic. I hope you guys are taking notes because I've got to imagine that you have some argument points. So let's start with Nathan. Your 30 seconds starts now. Well, to Josh, on the point about the last two teams that won World Series, the, the Kansas City Royals and the Chicago Cubs, those teams did have, you know, they did, the core of those teams was building within. They had homegrown talent that they built around, and then they made those moves. Once they had a good enough team of homegrown talent, they made those moves at the trade deadline to put them over the top to win the World Series. The Cardinals don't have a core that is solid enough to say if you just added Giancarlo Sten, you just added Josh Donaldson this year, they could win a title. That being said, I do like the idea of adding, you know, a, a, a three-hitter, a guy you could build around, but you you always have to adapt. You, you know, what that looks like July 31st this year could be different what it looks like in the off season after the season. So, you know, the situation is always is always changing around you, and that's something the front office always has to deal with. Excellent. Tito, 30 seconds, starting now. I'm just going to just reiterate again, the Cardinals front office. And your 30 seconds a, are up. Okay. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Okay, your 30 seconds starts now. Uh, I can't even. I can't even think right now. Um, I'm just going to re- reiterate: the Cardinals front office has to respond to this move by the Cubs. They have to. They have to get something done, and it needs to happen sooner rather than later. Yowza. <laughs> Yowza. Fantastic. Josh, your 30 seconds begins now. This team doesn't have the pieces to be sellers. They could get a couple away. So why not try and commit with this team? They have – if, the, if a, the right amount of trades are made and clear up some playing time for guys, this team can be successful. They, they have the right pieces. They just have to get them the playing time. That's, and that's really all I have to say about this. They should be buyers. They should go get a, a big-time player. This should be an exciting trade deadline. I just hope that they don't disappoint. Well, fellas, I have to tell you, I think that this is probably the best podcast we have ever done in the history of Redbird Brands, and there have been some really good ones. So I I think it's really great. To our listeners, I hope you're having a great time. Thanks for joining us tonight for our two-hour All-Star Break special. 
you can tell we are itching for some baseball. We're at each other's throats because we are having to miss our St. Louis Cardinals at least until this time tomorrow night when we will be watching Cardinal baseball. Let's take a little break. When we come back from the break, Brendan's going to take over as host and lead us into the next topic. You are listening to the Yowza edition, the two-hour special, the all-star break special of the official Redbird Rants podcast here on Blog Talk Radio. Thanks. We'll be back after the break. And we're back. We've replaced the soothing sounds of Dr. Miles' voice with the nails on the chalkboard that is my voice. Gentlemen, that was a nice, uh, nice segment there. I'm ready to jump back in here. Earlier in the pod, we talked about the inevitable return of Colton Wong and Kevin Segrist. As our new PBO, Johnny Moe, remarked, they'll both be back on Friday, July 14th. So I want to talk a little bit about how this is going to affect the rest of this roster. Nathan, we'll start with you. Wong and Segrist being activated or brought back from the disabled list is going to require some corresponding moves. What do you think is going to happen? Well, um, you know, practically speaking, the corresponding moves were Alex Mejia going back down to AAA and then Luke Weaver also returning to AAA. But the corresponding moves on the big league roster will be interesting to see. You've got Colton Wong, who has played a very good second base this season and has had his best offensive year of his career. In my opinion, he's got to play. He's got to start at second base. The Cardinals winning games when he's starting. Colton Wong, great batting average, great on base percentage, um, you know, hitting for extra bases. Um, he's put it together pretty well this season compared to seasons past where he just hasn't lived up to that potential, uh, that player that we know he could be. So Colton Wong's got to be the second baseman. That moves Matt Carpenter back to first base, and that kind of shoves Luke Boyd out of the starting position that when he had it, he was hitting very well. And, you know, in the middle of that Cardinals lineup in the past couple of series, that really sparked the Cardinals offense. And now without Luke Boyd, in there every single day, presumably, um, you know, I wonder if Colton Wong's offense could supplant Luke Voigt's offense. That being said, um, there were some comments made by, uh, I think it was Mosellac and co saying that Voigt will still get some starting opportunities, especially when you've got a lefty on the mound at first base and Carpenter can just shift back over to second base. Um, that, uh, presumably means that Colton Wong will not see a lot of uh, starting reps when a lefty is on the hill. Um, but, yeah, you have then five infielders, Jed Jergo, Paul DeYoung, Colton Wong, Matt Carpenter, and Luke Foyt vying for five spots. And all five of those guys you expect to produce offensively. So that'll be – we'll have to see how that goes. We'll have to see if there's any uh, developments as far as playing time changing based on performance. That'll be something to watch um, immediately starting tomorrow in Pittsburgh. And then Kevin Seeger's coming back. He struggled this season. Um, a lot of that was probably due to the injuries, the nagging injuries that – landed him on the disabled list in the first place. I wonder how healthy he is, if he's got that velocity back, and what kind of pitcher he can be in the Cardinals' bullpen. He was the go-to setup guy the last couple of years, you know, when Trevor Rosenthal was the closer. Um, I don't, you know, I don't really have the confidence that he'll ever really return to that. And, you know, I'm, it puzzles me a little bit that Segrist comes back up, and Luke Weaver, who I think could be, you know, a, a good bullpen piece for the Cardinals, gets sent back down. Yes, Weaver is young. Yes, they want him um, to be available to be a, to be a starter, so he gets the starts in the minor leagues and is on call, if you will, should uh, need in the rotation arise in the big leagues. But um, you know, if the Cardinals are, are going to try to make a run at this, 
you know, in July at least to, to put themselves in better position for the division. You know, every roster spot is important. You know, every relief appearance is important. And Kevin Seegers just kind of seems like a liability to me at this point. I mean, everything Nathan said there was is, is pretty much spot on. And, and really, you know, this news was reported on Monday. And so we've kind of known about these players coming back, Wong and, and Seegers coming back for for a little for a couple of days now. And what really is going through my mind right now is infield roulette. Colton Wong is going to be at second. Matt Carpenter is going to be at second. Voigt's at first. DeJong's at shortstop. Jerko's at third. But then Mosellock says, "Oh well, you know Colton Wong's not going to see left-handed pitching." Carpenter shifts over to uh, second base, and then Voight gets starts at first. Does this not feel like somebody's going to get traded to you guys? That That's a question that I that just keeps playing through my head, is that somebody on the infield right now, not DeJong and Jerko, is going to get traded. It, it, it's, gotta, it's going to happen. You can't have this big of a clog on the infield. This is the kind of thing that Colton Wong was upset about at the very beginning of the season. He didn't want to platoon with anybody, and yet here he is. And he's platooning with another left-handed second baseman. So we're we're pretty much at the start of the same, you know, at the start of the season with him, in, you know, and and uh, and a platoon. So somebody has to be moved, and I'm wondering if. Colton Wong is going to be the guy that loses time eventually because he's, he does get moved. And I, I just don't – I don't understand the construction of this roster right now to the point where you bring back Colton Wong so quickly. I mean, maybe he is all the way healthy. Maybe he's not, though. So what are they going to do with this infield is still a question to me. Could Voight – be on the move as well? Absolutely. Maybe that's, you know, kind of what Dr. Miles has always been saying about auditioning for a trade. Maybe that's what he, what's going to happen right there. But it's, it's just really frustrating, I think. And so I would, I would ask that question to you guys if, you know, at some point, do you guys think that one of those three players in Wong, Carpenter, Voight are on the move this, this uh, trade deadline? Um, you know, I, I agree. I I think that there's a real, real chance that one of the one of these guys is moved because it doesn't make sense to have all these guys on the roster. But unfortunately that's who's been who has been fairly successful, so they're they're on the roster and you're trying to find time for them. Unfortunately there's a there's not an infinite amount of space for these guys. You have to play who you, who is the hot hand and that's gonna piss some guys off it's um unfortunately I really hope that Wong comes in and is as successful as he was, but that's that's definitely going to uh, force the hand of management at some point to figure out what to do. Paul DeYoung's in a good position because Alemis Diaz has lost the plate and really can't turn left or right when it comes to playing shortstop, so he's not in a ton of, ton of trouble. The second base area is a bit of an issue. I think that if anybody's going to go, I think it's Colton Wong. Um, 
which isn't super exciting to me for the point that I don't want Matt Carpenter to be our second baseman going forward. I don't know that he is – his bat's great, but defensively I'm not a huge fan of that. But what I would really like to focus on, because Tito spent quite a bit of time talking about the infield, is the bullpen. Kevin Stegers is up. Luke Weaver goes away. I agree with Nathan that Luke Weaver could have been a very solid uh, asset out of the bullpen. But, again, we find him as a guy who wasn't used maybe as much as he could have. He was used a couple times. One of them was kind of in a mop-up duty. Uh, to an extent, even though he really should have a bigger role. But I want to know what Kevin Segrist has done to show this team that he's ready to come back. He had two games in double A and left those two games with a nine ERA. What exactly there did he show to the Cardinals organization that he is ready to be activated? I do not understand this. Uh, I would have much rather have kept Luke Weaver up, keep uh, keep Seegers down in the minors for as long as you can so that he can try and find find what he had lost. I think that this is just going to turn out to be us seeing Kevin Seegers come up and either re-injuring himself or just being disappointing when it comes to uh, what he's actually giving us. And then you have to factor in – Zach Duke is close. He's in he's in Memphis. He's very close to coming back. Um, I think that he when he comes up, you have to think it's Brevia or Tui going down, and those have been two fairly successful guys for us. So I think Kevin Seagrass at this point has just kind of become a giant thorn in the side of the bullpen. Uh, but that's just that's just where I'm at with with it. I'm I'm a little disappointed with the with half of the moves that they've made. I'm hoping that Seager doesn't disappoint, but I'm not going to hold out too much hope. And to I want to talk to Kevin Seagrass. Hold on one second. To add on to the Kevin Seagrass thing, his velocity is also not where it needs to be. In the two games that he's pitched, his velocity has not been the same either. So that's just throwing on to the, the inflated ERA. It hasn't been the same all year. So do you guys agree, and, and I'm talking to Nathan and Tito here with Josh, in that Segrist is the odd man out. Do you expect Duke to make a return? And if he does, would you like to see him get a shot? Well, Duke has been on rehab um, for a week or two now. I really haven't seen the results or any updates on him. But, yeah, if he's ready to return, I'd love to see him get a shot. He's, I think he's a better option than Kevin Segrist at this point. Um, thankfully, Brett Cecil has turned or, or turned his season around, or else we'd be talking about, you know, Tyler Lyons having to be thrown into the late inning lefty role. And yeah, I know yeah. Tyler Lyons could do a fair job, but then he'd be really your only reliable lefty. So that takes a little pressure off a potential Zach Duke return. But if you can have three lefties in the pen, anyways, with Seegers, I'd you know I'd rather see Duke as your third lefty. Tito, gaze into your crystal ball here and tell us, Cardinal fans, can we see Zach Duke in the second half of the season? I think there's a really good chance, probably a 90% chance that you will see Zach Duke. He's looked good in his uh, rehab assignments, Yaza indeed. And (laughs) I I would expect him to be up with the team at some point. He's an interesting pitcher because he, um, he was, you know, acquired, I think was it 
last year, and then he went down with Tommy John. So we were kind of given a taste, and then it was taken away really quick. So now I think he's going to have a chip on his shoulder when he gets back and, and have something to prove to the team that, you know, the acquisition for him, you know, wasn't for, you know, wasn't, you know, for just nothing. So I think getting him back on the team is is, is the right move to do. All right, we've got our answers in. Now let's hear those rebuttals. 30 seconds on the clock. Nathan, do you have any outstanding objections to anything you just heard? Well, wind it back to Colton Wong as we started the topic. What Tito said, you know, Tito wasn't sure about why Colton Wong was activated so soon with the, uh, you know, with the abundance of infielders. If Tito wants to see Colton Wong traded, wouldn't, it, wouldn't he want to see Colton Wong have playing time? Because then, you know, his socks could arise if he continues, uh, you know, the, the strong seasons that he's got offensively. And also if he's going to be a potential trade option, he's going to need to prove that he's healthy. So, you know, that's why Colton Wong's here. Tito, let's toss it back to you. Sure. My, my easy rebuttal to that is, is, is could he not get playing time in Memphis every day? Couldn't he not show that he's healthy in Memphis every day? I mean, I don't want him traded. <laughs> That's not what I'm saying. I think he's just the odd man out at this point because you said it yourself that Matt Carpenter was probably not going to get traded. And would you rather keep Luke Boyd or Colton Wong at this point? Right. And if they're not planning on trading Wong, then the reason to have him in the big leagues is, you know, because he's going to help you win. You know, the Cardinals are winning right. when Colton Wong was on this team. And that and that's fair, but again, we come back to the crux of this entire segment of we have a infield problem. Josh, thirty seconds on the clock. Um, I know the guys agree to an extent. We're going to see Zach Duke. I want to up that a thousand percent chance we're going to see him. He has been hey. mowing through the minors. Five yeah, games that he's had an appearance in. Five innings. Zero earned run, five Ks. It's shocking that he's at the point that he is now after having Tommy John, I don't want to say eight months ago, but he's something that this team needs, and he's in a, a very effective arm out of the bullpen. We're going to see him, and I think we're going to see him within the next two or three weeks. All right, guys, that's going to wrap it up here for this segment. We're going to take another break, and when we come back, I'm going to switch back out with Dr. Miles, and we'll hear more from – Nathan, Tito, Josh, and our, a surprise appearance from our fourth contributor, The Tornado. Thank you so much to The Tornado for making an appearance on this podcast. We appreciate you filling in for Trevor. All right, don't that go anywhere. You are listening. Oh, you messed up my transition, Tito. What? <laughs> no, no. All right. Uh, this storm is crazy out here. Trust me. So if Tito's still alive when we come back, we'll hear more from him. Don't go anywhere. You are listening to the Yowza edition of the Redbird Rants podcast. Hey, thanks for sticking with us. I am Michael Miles, co-editor at Redbird Rants. Man, isn't this great? We keep going back and forth from the very, very skilled host and the adroitness exhibited by Brendan Voigt. You get to come over to me for a bit. We get to hear all the intelligence from the three great writers who have joined us tonight, Nathan, Tito, and Josh. Just amazing, amazing, amazing stuff. 
And um, we also have, as, as Brendan mentioned, a special guest in the way of a tornado bearing down on Tito. I guess all that uh, negative mojo that Tito puts out into the Twitterverse has found its way back to him. <laughs> so, guys, let's dive back into our next topic. Yeah, karma indeed. I think that tornado is saying one gigantic yowza. So speaking of Yalza, let's talk about the farm. Let's talk about the farm system and, the, and with the Cardinals because as we saw today, you know, many teams have put a very large and important value upon uh, the farm system. We saw that with the White Sox demand from the Cubs to send them some very high-ranked prospects in exchange for a single left-handed pitcher, and a very good one, mind you, but – we get to see the importance of the farm. And the Cardinals in the past, as we know, have not had a very strong farm. But it seems to be that the, there's a resurgence in that. So let's talk about the triple A and double A and single A. And by the way, Randall Gritchick spent some time at single A, brief time, spent some time at triple A this season as well. And that was not due to injury. Had to put that in there for you, Josh. So let's uh, let's dive in initially here and let's talk about the farm. And um, so let's turn it over to you, Tito. I mean, who are you most excited to see if they ever come up to St. Louis? And, and where do you think the players fit, you know, from AAA? Hey, heck, we saw uh, Magnaris this year make a huge jump. What was it from AA straight up to the majors? So, Tito, the floor is yours. Talk to us about what you think about the St. Louis Cardinals farm. Sure, yeah. I mean, as you mentioned, you know, the Cardinals right now have a, a plethora of pitching and outfielding prospects. You know, the pitching prospects being, you know, Jack Flaherty, Sandy Alcantara, and uh, Luke Weaver, you know, Marco Gonzalez, Austin Gomer, and the outfielding prospects are, are probably what most intrigued me with Magnair Sierra, Harrison Bader, you know, uh, a Adoles Garcia, Jose Adoles Garcia. It's starting to look like the Cardinals, you know, have a really, really good farm system at all levels. And where do they fit in the plans to, you know, this season? You know, it's it's going to be dependent on injuries and, and performance. You know, Grichik, even though he went down to single A, he's certainly not a prospect anymore. Um, he's a fourth outfielder, in my opinion if not worse. And who am I most excited to see in St. Louis? At this point, it's it's probably either Jack Flaherty or Harrison Bader. Jack Flaherty, you know, he's been really, really good this year, going from double-A AA to triple-A. He was featured in the Futures All-Star game, and he's pitched very consistently and very well for the minor league system. And I would not be surprised if he's your minor league player of the year uh, by it's, when it's all said and done. At the same time, Harrison Bader has made himself very, very attractive as a player in the AAA uh, system. You know, with his power, 17 home runs right now, that's leading all minor league systems for the Cardinals. He's looking like a really, really good, solid player, and I would be very intrigued to see him come to St. Louis, and I think the time he comes up, his first game is going to be, you know, very hyped up. Everybody's going to be watching to see what he can do and what he can bring to the table. And maybe he's better than Grichik. And I, at this point, I think it's it's pretty pretty clear that he is. And I, I think 
if there was a dark horse that has made a name for himself, I would say that it's definitely Garcia. I think a lot of people were probably not sure what his abilities were. I think he's done a pretty good job of showing that, hey, he can play. And next year he'll probably be in AAA. But maybe there is a chance that he uh, shocks shocks everybody and comes up to the major league team uh, when expanded rosters come up. Fantastic. Uh, let's turn it over to Josh. First off, I would just like to say that the unnecessary – and extremely oh, harsh oh, shot at Randall oh, Grichuk are very much not needed. The man <laughs> is trying. Um, Color me shocked. Josh coming to a worthless <laughs> outfielder's defense. Here we go again. He tries hard. Um, so the Cardinals farm system is growing and growing and growing and with, to me is more impressive. Um Unfortunately, as we've stated, they're really abundant in pitching and outfield, but where in the world is the middle infield? Uh, you have to go go pretty far down to find anybody that you're like, man, this guy can be something. That's the main one anybody thinks of is Delvin Perez, who actually just got sent down because uh, he was not hitting after where he was pr- promoted to. And, yeah, he's a teenager. He, that's that's the problem. When you look at uh, this team and the prospects they have, that the most the the shortstop that you're most excited about is 18 years old. More than likely, he's at least three years away from actually being on this team. That it's it's impressive that uh, that we have so many outfielders and pros and pitching prospects, but. It would be really nice for this team to get a couple of infielders that people could be excited about outside of an 18-year-old who we're not going to see for a while. Don't get me wrong. I'm very excited about Delvin Perez. I think he could be a star. He was a steal in that draft, but he's 18. It's hard to be too excited uh, about him at this point. I am most excited, I think, about the potential, and I don't know if we'll see it, of Jack Flaherty. The guy has been a monster this year. Um, I really hope that we get to see him, even if it's like a spot start uh, in St. Louis. I think it it would be really cool to see him get a chance. And Luke Weaver, I would also like to see get a chance starting again. I know he had his opportunity last year, didn't go great, but he's grown. He's getting better. You look at his him, Jack Flaherty and Marco Gonzalez are all putting up really impressive stats in in Memphis right now. Unfortunately, with the way the roster is has been created, there's not a lot of openings for many of these guys in AAA, and we touched on that earlier in the show. Um, I think that one person that we could realistically see is Carson Kelly, uh, as Nathan said earlier. The Eric Fryer is a decent enough backup. Uh, you, you know what you're going to get with him. At some point, you're going to have to bring up Kelly. It gives Yachty rest. Uh, it gets him some major league experience. Unfortunately, they might not want to start his clock. For me, I don't know that you can call him a prospect because he's not a big name, but I think Mark Montgomery needs to get a shot in the bullpen. He's been very good. 
uh, when it comes to the bullpen in, in Memphis. Um, and the bullpen has been something that has been a giant question mark for this team. So if Zach Duke ends up being a little farther away than he than people are expecting and Kevin Segrist does what I'm expecting, I think Mark Montgomery is a guy that should get an opportunity. Well, to Josh's point about the lack of uh, middle infield talent in the minor leagues, that just makes me think, why do so many people want to trade Colton Long? I mean, I'm just going to go back to that point. I'm, you know, I've always been a fan of Colton Long. I always think that, you know, what he's shown us is not his, not his ceiling, probably similar to what Josh thinks of Randall Gritchick. And, you know, Colton Long, shame that he's been injured this year because I think he'd be getting even more attention, even more appreciation for Colton Long if, you know, he's played the way he has played this season, but for, uh, for the full season. Um, that being said, given the pitching and the outfielding, Depth in the minor leagues. I think that I'd, I'd like to see a lot of a lot of these pitchers eventually get a shot with the Cardinals. That's why I'm hesitant to trade away. You know, you know, too many of these pitchers. This trade deadline go, you know, going all in as buyers. That would be um, because you can always find room for pitching. You know, eventually on the major league roster, whether it's this season or next. You know, it doesn't have to be this season. All these guys, you know, getting called up because if you look at the starting rotation currently for the Cardinals, Adam Wainwright's not going to be around forever. He's only got you know, a year or two probably left in, in the rotation in St. Louis. Michael Walk has always had a question mark around him. You know, might he eventually be destined for the bullpen? Um, I think that's still a possibility. And Lance Flynn, we don't know if he's going to be on this team in a couple of weeks. That's three starting pitchers that you could, you know, put question marks on for the next couple of years. And you've got at least three starting prospects in the minor leagues right now. Um, you know, the top of my list would be Luke Weaver, Jack Flaherty, um, Dakota Hudson's a double A pitcher. He was drafted last year and, you know, he's having a fine year in Springfield. If you compare his stats to Jack Flaherty's stats, he's right there with Jack Flaherty. Dakota Hudson's a name we should all be keeping our eyes on um, as far as the pitching prospect. The outfield talent, that's a little bit more complicated. I think if you're going to trade away some prospects, I think the outfield is where you start. And the Cardinals do have a lot of appealing outfield prospects. Um, Harrison Bader is obviously at the top of that list. We've Talked about him plenty on the show. I'm glad Tito uh, mentioned Adolis Garcia. He was signed in in spring training, a uh, Cuban player. Really weren't sure what we were going to get with him. He's in his mid-20s, so he's a little older for a prospect just because he's, um, you know, on the international market. But uh, he started the year in double-A, and now he's been in triple-A for nearly a month, and he's, you know, hit hit around 400. So I, you know, I'd like to see them – you know, push the envelope on Garcia, perhaps even get him up here in September, see what he can do. Um, in double-A, you've got an outfield of Magnera Sierra, Oscar Mer- Mercado. Um, those are two guys that that the organization is high on. Um, the profile similarly as far as speed and, um, and contact is concerned. Um, so the Cardinals do have a lot of good outfield prospects. And if you're going to look to deal prospects, I think outfield is the position where you have to start. Someone say well, something. I did not have a tornado to blame for my little debacle there. I, I couldn't unmute the call. So here's where <laughs> we stand, guys. Those were those were really great, um, really great points. And what I'd like to do now is have you put those pencils down, as Brendan likes to say, and let's turn to our 30-second rebuttal time. So let's start our rebuttal with Tito. 30 seconds, and your 30 seconds starts now. 
I'll take these next 30 seconds to call Josh back out and say, are you kidding me, man? You're really going to keep defending Grichik? Please, get over it. He's not going to pan out. It's just not going to happen. He needs to be the fourth outfielder or he's going to get traded. I'm telling you, prepare yourself for the worst. Your heart's going to be broken, and I'm not sorry. Ooh, a shot across the bow. Fantastic. All right, let's turn to you, Josh. What do you have to say to that in your 30-second rebuttal? I'm going to defend Grichuk until the day I die. I did the same thing with Peter Borges, unfortunately. Um, <laughs> and look where that got him. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't really, doesn't really help your argument. <laughs> look Randall where it Grichuk got him. Is, Randall Grichuk is going to be Matt Adams once he is traded because he's going to get fixed, he's going to be a star, and we're all going to regret missing out on him being here. The fact that the only reason that I did stick up for him because I think there was some unnecessary shots taken at him while we were talking about minor leaguers. Somehow we had to talk about Randall Gritcha getting sent down and how bad he is. That just seemed unnecessary. My guy is trying. He's hitting bombs. He's exciting when he hits those bombs. Let's just Let's just love him for what he is. You can blame our host for it. Please blame me because I think he is a minor league player at best, and I have always said that. Uh, I I agree with you, though, Josh. I I do think he's exciting when he hits the bombs. Unfortunately, they don't happen often enough. And I also have to agree with you, Josh, and then I'm going to let Nathan have his 30-second rebuttal. Sorry, that was a slip. I may actually give him 90 seconds. But I have to agree with you, Josh. Um, I, I think he will really flourish when he gets out of the Cardinal system. And I think that when he gets to a real hitting coach who can help him with his issues, he will be able to be a major league player. That is not going to happen with the current Cardinals, thanks to the one and only John Mabry. So, Nathan, your 90 seconds start now. Well, I'm actually going to uh, take the time. I was going to – mentioned the three outfielders in Springfield and for the for the love of me I couldn't remember the third one. It's Randy Rosarena who's also had a great year. I think has perhaps put himself on the radar. He was also an international signing um speedy player. He's uh batting second for Springfield. Um they have a lot of these outfield prospects that all profile similarly and I think that just supports uh you know the conclusion that some of these guys could be traded um you know whether it's this year in the off season or in the future. Wow. So you didn't even use the 90 seconds. I am very impressed. Well, I uh, hope I was Josh, you and Chico were taking notes. I was also going to say Matt Adams has fallen off a little bit since his hot start in Atlanta. So. Now, come on, Nathan. I expect you to not join on the Josh bandwagon. <laughs> You're supposed to be against Josh in relation to, say, Matt Adams and <laughs> Randall Gritchick. Hey, that's the closest thing I, I've done to trashing Matt Adams ever on a podcast. I thought that'd make you happy. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I will take it 100%. Okay, so Hi. let's go now to a little break, if we can. And when we come back, Brandon's going to take over. I'm Michael Miles, co-editor of Redbird Rant. You're listening to the Yowza edition, a two-hour all-star break special of the official Redbird Rants podcast on Blog Talk Radio. Stick with us. Yowza, we are back. 
and we're back in time for our final prediction segment. I'm Brendan Vogt, taking over as your host for Dr. Miles. Gentlemen, actually, you know what? I, I was going to jump into the segment, but since I have the mic and I'm the host, I'd like to take 20 seconds here to jump on Josh's side of the Randall Gritchick argument here. Much love to Randall. Yeah. He is the best. Yes. Don't ever give up on that upside, baby. 480-plus feet. That's what I'm talking about. But let's jump into the actual segment here. With and 20,000 strikeouts later. Yeah. Okay. All right, Tito. Yeah, <laughs> let's hear Tito. from the tornado. Let's hear, put the tornado back on, Tito. I'm done with you. <laughs> All right, gentlemen, let, let's talk final predictions here. Wake me up when September ends and then tell me where the Cardinals are at, what this National League playoff picture looks like. Nathan, let's start with you. I think the Cardinals are in third place at the end of the season. Don't like to say it. I'd like to be wrong. I just don't see things improving to the extent that the Cardinals could you know, win this division. Brewers and Cubs are going to be improving. Um, not sure what the Cardinals will do at the deadline, as we've talked about. But, um, you know, regardless of who's on this roster, you know, the the coaching deficiencies, the base running deficiencies, the defensive deficiencies, you know, those are things that kind of transcend, you know, one superstar player because, you know, it's it's happened, you know, this season. It's happened last season, you know, with, you know, with different rosters. So I think the Cardinals, you know, I don't, you know, it, as much as it, you know, I don't like to say it, but I think they miss the playoffs for a second consecutive year, and I think they end up behind the Cubs and the Brewers. Um, as far as the entire National League picture is concerned, uh, Dodgers are the top seed. They're kind of running away with that. They're going to win that division. Already seven and a half ahead of the second-place Diamondbacks, and then you've got the Nationals, nine and a half ahead of the second-place Braves and the National League East. Um, those two teams look like they'll win those divisions pretty handily. Um, and then you've got Arizona and Colorado as your two wild cards. I think the Cubs end up winning the National League Central. Um, but I'm excited to see, uh, you know, how long the Brewers stick around, how much of a fight the Brewers give the Cubs for the National League Central. I think I need to stop making predictions here. Um, I don't think the last few I've made have been correct. So I'm scared to make any any big predictions here, but I'm going to anyways because, well, why not? Um, when September ends, I am going to go out on a limb here and say that after the Cardinals have traded for Josh Donaldson and a bullpen piece, they're going to be leading the division. They're going to go into the playoffs, and they are going to be a first round out. Um but they're going to make the playoffs, which will prolong Mike Matheny's tenure here. And they will probably be ousted by, let's go, I think, I want to say the Nationals at this point, because I believe the Dodgers will be facing a wild card team. Unfortunately, what I do think is more likely, even though I'm going out on a limb stand to make the playoffs, I think that they fall short. That's that's my brain talking. My heart wants to say that they're going to be in the playoffs. For me, the the National League is pretty much a two-team race for teams that I think can make a real run at it. Uh, the Nationals and the Dodgers, because I think the Nationals have still have the ability to make a make a move with the prospects they have, and I think they're going to. They're definitely going to add a closer. But the Dodgers are something else right now, and they they still have pieces they can add too. So 
the National League playoff picture, I think, is going to it's gonna have the teams that are near the top right now, except for the Cardinals being in it. So I think you're going to see Washington. I think you're going to see the Dodgers. You're going to see, hopefully, the Cardinals. And then you're going to see Arizona and Colorado battling it out for the wild card. Once that happens, I think the Dodgers are going to make their way right through the NL and go ahead and face off against the Boston Red Sox. And I think the Dodgers are going to finally make their move that they've been trying to for years. They made that those, that huge trade with Boston a while back for Carl Crawford, Adrian Gonzalez, because they thought that was going to get them to get them to a World Series. I think this might be the year for them. My heart is telling me, though, that I think the Cardinals – could be that team to make the run, but they have to make a move for a big bat and a bullpen piece to be able to get there. Well, if we're going to talk about current team, the Cardinals will be in third place, as Nathan said. Cubs and Brewers have done what they needed to do so far to improve their team, and realistically, the Cubs have done way more than what you know, the Brewers have done. So I expect the Cubs to catch and surpass the Brewers. And the Cardinals, if they stay pat, they're going to be either a second or third place team, more likely third. But they're not going to be really there at the end of the year. No hope of a wild card. So to Josh's point, if the Cardinals are going to make the postseason, they have to go out and get somebody. It has to happen, and I would hate to see the Cardinals miss two postseasons in a row. Is it a realistic possibility? Absolutely, and I think all of Cardinal Nation should be kind of put on alert that it might happen. As far as how the playoffs would shake up, if the Cardinals stay pat and finish third, I think the Dodgers are the number one seed. I think the Nationals take the second seed and win the East. And I think the Cubs will prevail in the Central and be the third seed with the Diamondbacks and Rockies being wildcard one and two. And then as for a World Series prediction, I'm actually going to go with the Nationals and the Red Sox in my World Series and that the Nats actually get it done while Bryce Harper is still in D.C. and win in seven games. If the Cardinals were to somehow manage a playoff spot, they would probably still be the three seed and, as Josh pointed out, would probably play the Nationals in the division series. And, boy, that would be some kind of fun again to have a 2012 rematch of the NLDS. And I'm telling you that that D.C. area would have a fit with the Cardinals. But – yeah. I don't think the Cardinals would really prevail against the Nationals. That lineup is too good. Now, again, they did beat them in three games in in St. Louis, you know, winning two of three. So there's still a chance that the Cardinals could do it. But even then, I still don't think the Cardinals have enough firepower right now in their rotation to manage a deep postseason run. So I agree, but I, I like that Nationals point. I like that Nationals point, Tito, because 
wouldn't that be something? This does finally seem like they, they have that complete roster. We know they've been verging on genuine contention for years now, and we've seen the Cardinals ruin their day once or twice. <laughs> I can only imagine what that would do to D.C. fans if somehow this Cardinals team were to steal a series was, win there. And, but, I was in D, and I was in D.C. in 2013. Uh, I was at National Stadium, and I had my Cardinals gear on, and I'm telling you, the looks that I got, whew, You'd think I was in Chicago. They were just like, I cannot believe you're wearing St. Louis stuff here, especially after what happened. I mean, it's the same way we would feel about the Giants. But, but Tito, I thought Josh told me that you get those looks on a daily basis, whether you're wearing Cardinal gear or not. Is that not right? Well, yeah, you're right. (laughs) Yeah, okay. Hey, Fan bases don't like losing to other team, other fan bases in the playoffs, like, especially perennially. Yeah. I'll tell you, as a, I live out here in L.A., and there's some there's some respect for sure, but Dodgers fans are sick and tired of this Cardinals hat, that's for sure. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure they are. <laughs> they, they'll admit it, man. They just don't want to see it. Nathan, uh, I, I missed it there if you gave it. Did you give a World Series prediction? Yeah, I didn't realize we were doing those right off the bat. Um, I'm taking the Dodgers to finally get over the hump, win the World Series. As far as who's coming out of the American League, I think um, Houston's obviously the best team right now. I'm not sure what they can do in the playoffs. I like the Yankees putting it together down the stretch. Um, you know, they're going to be adding some pieces at the deadline, like their offense. Um, you know, they're going to need to be proving their pitching staff for sure. I think they made a move for a starter today. Can't quite remember who it is at this point, but uh, watch for the Yankees to get hot. They started the season really hot. I think they can end the season hot as well. I think it's fair to ask this question in a later podcast once the deadline has wrapped up. For sure. But there's, you know, it's sports, man. It's a two-hour podcast. Nothing wrong with speculating, right? Um, yeah, Tito. There, stop it. You suck. I know. <laughs> there were um, a couple of playoff questions I wanted to ask you guys. Namely, I know none of us have them going to the World Series, but do you think the Diamondbacks and or the Rockies have any chance – of shocking the world and, and making a run through that field as an underdog? I think there's always a chance, you know, when you make the playoffs. If the Diamondbacks and Rockies are the two teams that are the wild card, one of them is going to be in the division series. And as it stands right now, they'll be facing the Dodgers, the top seed. Um, you know, facing the top seed is never easy, but if that's the team in your division that you've played 17 times already that season, that might actually work to your advantage. Um, you know, more than meets the eye. So if the Diamondbacks or Rockies are, you know, playing the Dodgers in the division series, I think they might have more of an advantage than a team like the Cardinals, the Cubs, or the Nationals against, um, facing up against the Dodgers in the playoffs. Right. Josh, your thoughts on uh, on Arizona and Colorado? <laughs> <laughs> um, I think of the two, Josh, uh, who I would who I would lean to would be Colorado. I think that that team, their pitching has really shown shown a lot, and their lineup is really impressive. They have an NL MVP candidate over there on the hot corner, and Nolan Arenado, and they do have the weapons in the minor leagues to make a move to get another pitcher, a Sonny Gray or Chris Archer or whoever you whoever else becomes on the market. They have the 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 guys in their minors to be able to make a move like that. So if they 
think that this is a good year for them and they make that move, they can be scary because they do have a very talented roster and they would get to play some playoff games in, in Colorado. You have to think their fans would get go a little crazy for that. And that's always a nice, a nice thing to have. I would say between the two teams and just because Josh said Colorado, I'm just going to go with the Diamondbacks, even though I think that is not true. I, if the Diamondbacks were to go get somebody, a starting pitcher, I think they have a real a realistic shot at, at getting you know to the World Series. It just depends on who they go get. A J.A. Happ might be good. I think that's probably their best bet. Quintana would have been a great pickup for the Diamondbacks. Unfortunately, they weren't able to do that. So maybe if they go get a starter – they have a legitimate shot. They have a great they have a great lineup. There's no denying that. And so does Colorado. As far as Arenado being an MVP, he's not really doing that much this year. So Josh, you're wrong again. Sorry. So <laughs> Diamondbacks are definitely a, a, a better contender than the Rockies. Okay, so let's put it uh, 30 seconds on the clock here and let's hear some rebuttals. Nathan, you're up first. Did you dislike anything about their predictions? Um, well, I forgot who said it, but uh, to the point that adding Josh Donaldson on a ball playing piece would put the Cardinals over the hump in the National League Central. Josh, um, I would. Josh, I would argue that the Cubs and Brewers have third basemen that are better than Josh Donaldson. Um, you know, Donaldson has been injured this year, hitting 260. Um, Travis Shaw has been better than Josh Donaldson this year offensively. Chris Bryant is better than Josh Donaldson. So I'm just not sure that that would put the Cardinals over the hump. Hot takes. Straight venom from Nathan. Josh, your chance to rebut that rebuttal. I'm going to need more than 30 seconds for this one. Get after first, it. I'm come, first, I'm going after Tito. I, I really hope you're joking about saying Nolan Arenado isn't doing anything this year. Because if not, you need to quit talking about baseball. You're an idiot. I love you. Uh, and Nathan... I understand that Josh Donaldson has had a doesn't have impressive stats because he missed a lot of time. This guy was, I believe, two years removed from being an MVP, and if he's healthy and he's playing in St. Louis, I can guarantee you he's going to put insane numbers up there. And let's be realistic about Travis Shaw. What the guy's doing is incredible. It just doesn't make sense. You have to think he's a candidate for to fall backwards. And Chris Bryant is definitely a phenomenal player. He might be better than Josh Donaldson when they're toe-to-toe, both playing at their best, but it's not like Chris Bryant has been a world-beater this year either. So I don't think that we can easily say that he would be the number three when it comes to the third baseman there. Also, Tito, you're still an idiot, but I love you, man. (laughs) Good transition because Tito's on the clock. Just skip me. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'm done. Okay. All right. Let's, Tito's tapping out. He has been defeated once and for all by Josh. We're going to take uh, one last break here. When we come back, Dr. Miles and I are going to talk to each other. for the. We've been on a podcast together for two hours. We have not spoken yet. So we'll do that when we come back. You are listening to the special two-hour edition, the Yowza edition of the Redbird Rants podcast. 
And we're back, and I'm here with Dr. Miles. Doctor, this was a lot of fun for me, man, although I don't want to speak for for you. What did you think of this two-hour podcast here? Man, I, I want to say, first off, thank you for going back and forth and, and sharing the hosting duties with me on this one. I I was really excited about this, and it has completely lived up to all of my expectations. Uh, what a great time. I mean, we have filled – Roughly an hour and 55 minutes with probably the best podcast we have ever put together. And uh, yeah, I think that's just great. I agree with you, Doc, and I love the way we're doing it, man. We're churning these out every Monday and Thursday. And if you're going to do a podcast, you got to keep it consistent, give the people what they want. And we're getting better and we're having fun, man. And this was definitely the pinnacle of that experience for me. Uh, let's give ourselves a chance here to talk baseball, Doc. We heard quite a lot there in the last hour and 55, but is there any one thing you heard that you either wanted to double down on, uh, you had a rebuttal to? I'm, I'm curious what you thought. You know, I, the thing that I think that's really pressing is, um, and it was said here in the last 30 minutes or so, and it's the idea that Cardinals fans are probably going to need to come to terms with the fact that this season is not a postseason target in all honesty can that change i mean absolutely we all know that to be true but the way things are looking right now just don't see it happening and, and i have to be really honest too i can't tell you that i'm rooting for us to make it to the postseason and i think josh that hinted is... at it when he said that well listen i mean i think josh hinted at it he said you know if we go out we pick up a good player and they come in and they start performing and, and we make it to the postseason matheny is safe I'm not really comfortable with Matheny and Mayrie being safe. I don't see us being able to repeat positive performances as we move forward with those people at the helm. What do you think, Brendan? That is, those are some interesting thoughts there, doctor. And I'll tell you as a, a transplant Cardinal fan, I was surprised to sort of sign up to this Twitter community and this blogosphere and find just how frustrated folks in St. Louis really are with Mike Matheny. I, the, the decision-making has always been in question and, always sort of been induced some head scratching, but you know, this guy, this is a guy who's had a lot of success, actually an elite amount of success in his first four to five years as a manager. So I certainly understand how people are frustrated and ready to see him go. And I don't even necessarily disagree, but um, I'm really surprised. And so it's been interesting uh, this year to see that Matheny doubt, if not hate really sort of peek out. I do want to disagree with you though. I, I, I think the Cardinals should, by, Nathan put it well, you don't want to leverage or, or jeopardize that future, but if you can add a, a, a bullpen piece, or the reason I like Josh Donaldson as opposed to Stanton, as we touched on in that, that summit piece, is that this is a guy we might be able to get without having to give up too much, and anything can happen in baseball, and Cardinals fans know that as well as anyone. It's been 12 years of dominance in the National League, and the two years they happened to win it all were the worst two teams in that stretch, in my opinion with the exception of the one that missed the playoffs. So don't give up. Hang in there. I don't think the Cubs have it, and I, I always like the Cardinals' chances in the playoffs. You know, I, I do agree with you. I, I think that if they made the right moves, can they go in and do it all and make it to postseason? Absolutely. Do I have a whole lot of faith in, in management right now? I, I don't know. Uh, I have to tell you that I think that it's very interesting, the quote-unquote promotion of Mo. I think that may have a great deal to do with what's going to happen to Matheny. And that's sort of where I'd like to leave it. 
I want to give you a chance to do one last. We've got about 50 seconds. Give us one last thought, and then let's both say a huge thank you to the guys. Absolutely. Uh, closing thoughts for me. Look, I get the Matheny doubt, and I don't object to it. I will say one thing. I have seen some stuff out there on Twitter. The fans have, are starting to question this front office and starting to question Mo. Don't do that. They're smarter than you. They're responsible for one of the best eras in team history. Um, it looks, the players aren't, a lot of things aren't panning out the way we would have liked to see this year on the field. That is not Mo's fault. He's built great teams. He made the right moves. So those would be my 